going to read our, our Bible reading today from in Scripture. It's on page 1037. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. I suspect this will be a reasonably familiar passage to you. Uh, we're going to think about it shortly. And Stephanie Fulton will read this for us. So it's Luke chapter 8, 22 to 28. Sorry, to 25. Sorry for... Jesus calms the storm. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Let's think about this passage for a few minutes now. Anything for an easy life. Anything for an easy life is a phrase that we will often hear. You know, when someone chooses an easier path over a more difficult one, although there's often the implication that choosing the easy path is not the best option, that maybe the person should have put a bit more effort in you know, anything for an easy life. If you put a bit more effort in, the outcome might have been better, but instead we choose the easy way out. There's also the implication when we use that phrase, oh, anything for an easy life. It's that we're, in some sense, brushing something under the carpet. We are perhaps passing the buck onto someone else. You know, as long as I get an easy life, let them do the work. Or take a shortcut. Anything for an easy life. Go the easiest way rather than the, the long way. Or maybe it's even giving in to a nagging, persistent voice. Someone is getting at you, so anything for an easy life, I'll, I'll do it, rather than have to listen to them going on all the time. Someone nagging at you, anything for an easy life. Now that phrase, of course, anything for an easy life, is therefore not altogether a positive phrase. And I'm sure you'll agree that there are, as I've explained, some negative connotations to us. But, however, most of us would like an easy life. Of course, there's that part of our nature within us that needs a challenge. That there's that part of our nature that where solving problems and overcoming difficulties are something that we, we can find beneficial and rewarding. And that's part of our human nature too. We need challenge. We, we need, in a sense, a little bit of stress and, and to be put under pressure. And that can bring benefits. However, if we are honest, we would prefer not to have to spend all our life solving problems, tackling difficulties. We will, yes, we'll sort them when they come. But few of us, I, I venture, would, will go out and seek them deliberately and consciously look for problems and look for difficulties just so that we can solve them. No, we would prefer the easier life. And the same principle applies in spiritual matters too, of course. We would probably all prefer an easier life. 
And many people seem to think that because the Bible is full of promises and statements about God, such as, and you'll know this one, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Or what about those words from the psalm? The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Now we can begin to think that this means God will keep us safe. That no harm will ever come to us. That we will be preserved from the rough and tumble or the much more serious hardships at least of, uh, and the tragedies of life. If the words, the Lord will keep you from all harm, he will watch over your life. And again, Psalm 121. If they don't mean that we have blanket protection in all situations, what do they mean? Some responses seen throughout the ages are, firstly, to think that when troubles do come and when we are harmed, it must mean that either God doesn't exist, because he's not keeping us safe, so he doesn't exist, or that he's not, if he does exist, he's not powerful enough to help us and keep us safe. Or, what sort of a God is, is that really? Or that those promises that he makes are little, of little more value than the promises of the politicians, especially this time of election, who are looking for your support and they'll promise you anything as long as you vote for them. Or maybe it's like those movie scenes where one actor turns and says to the other, everything will be all right, I promise. And you know fine well it's not going to be all right. There's no basis for making that statement at all. Everything's not going to be all right. John says in John chapter 10, sorry, Jesus says in John 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or the King James Version you might be familiar with. Have it more abundantly. Or the other versions might translate it. Life in its fullest. Or in all its fullness. Or the message reads. Real eternal life. More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. So if that's the case. And on the one hand we have these beautiful promises of Jesus. Why is it that we face storms and difficulties? Shouldn't the Christian life be a breeze, a walkover, anything for an easy life? Is that why we choose to follow Jesus? We want an easy life, an easy way out, a crutch, a walking aid for those who are old or infirm. That's what often people will criticize Christianity for being only for old people or for people who, who are in difficulties and who need something to lean on. We can't manage on our own. Is that why? If Jesus came to bring us life in all its fullness, does this mean we should expect life to be easy and happy and a whoopee cushion all the time? Of course, the Bible offers us no such guarantees. And this very well-known passage in Luke that Stephanie read to us a few moments ago and other stories in the scripture we see here the disciples in a very alarming situation. And we see what Jesus does and how he works in this situation. And there are lessons that we can learn. Now firstly, let's look at what actually happens in this passage. 
Luke just starts off by saying, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. Now this isn't following on from any other event, nor is it some part of a bigger story. It's just Jesus says, Right boys, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And then they they get into the boat and they they head off uh, across the lake. And what's especially important for us to remember is that the disciples are here acting upon the direct instructions of Jesus. Let's get into the boat and go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus says it, let's do it, off we go. They do not find themselves in the grip of a frightening storm because they've decided to be disobedient. And you remember the case of Jonah in the Old Testament. He found himself in the middle of a terrible storm because he decided he would run away from God. God told him to go to Nineveh that way. He said, no, no, I'm going to go this way. And he went that way onto the boat, get away as far as he could, gets caught up in a fierce storm. And and the rest of the story you're familiar with, I'm sure. But not in this case. Here it is Jesus who tells them to get into the boat. And so we read, they got into the boat and set out. Off they go. And then we know what happens. They are engulfed in a fierce squall. It's something quite ferocious indeed. And as it tells us, the boat was in danger of being swamped. So what of Jesus? The question was posed at the outset, doesn't Jesus care? That's what I've called this sermon. Doesn't Jesus care? Does he? Or doesn't he? Well, look at what he's up to in the middle of all this. They got into the boat and set out. And as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. It could be perhaps he was very tired after all that preaching and healing and all the stuff he was doing. Yeah, physically demanding, busy schedule. He was, after all, fully human in this and every other aspect, as we know. Now, although we know the outcome, we know the outcome of the story. Jesus saves them and all ends well. Could we not perhaps think it might have been kinder if Jesus had not placed them in this serious situation in the first place. Some might argue that he ought not, if if he knew there was going to be a storm coming, maybe he shouldn't have said, right boys, let's get into the boat and go across the lake. No, he would have said, let's wait wait a few hours till the storm's passed and then we'll go. But no, he doesn't. Being God and knowing what was coming, he still knew there would be a big storm. Why not wait an hour or two or an hour or two till it's over and then go across the lake? And we see from his initial reactions, he didn't seem to be in any hurry to step in and intervene. It was only when things got really bad and really heated up and the whole situation threatened to get out of control. It was only when they were almost swamped by the storm that Jesus eventually wakes up at their request and calms the raging storm. So that's what actually happens. That's the story. Let's think for a moment or two. Why does this happen? Why does it happen? Well, having seen the outline of the story, the question is, is why does Jesus allow his disciples to get into this tricky situation? This life-threatening situation does he not love them does he not care for them of course he does the truth is however that loving others does not uh, 
does not always involve shielding them from trial and challenge. We should know from experience that wrapping a child in cotton wool, as as the phrase goes, isn't always the kindest thing to do. In military training, and especially in, in the special forces, people are subjected to extreme physical and mental trials. And the idea is, of course, that going through these will better equip them to face anything that may come their way when they they have to deal with these things in reality, not just in training. The same idea holds true in the spiritual realm. Jesus loves us. But he also knows that we learn and we grow as we make mistakes and as we face difficulties. A young child, we have young grandchildren in in our family, but they, they have to take the odd tumble and and, and bang their head. Now, you don't want them to do it, but they do it. And perhaps they have to do it a few times as they learn to walk. And of course, you do all you can to prevent them from falling and hurting themselves. And you take every uh, precaution you can. You don't deliberately make them fall and bang their head. Of course not. But you don't neglect them, you don't put them there, but, but it happens. And it's part of learning to walk that you will fall. And as we grow physically and mentally and spiritually, we stumble occasionally. And indeed, we might make a real mess of things from time to time. We might even face danger. The point is that Jesus may allow us to go through trials and situations in order to teach us, in order to enable us to grow stronger. If Jesus hadn't ordered the disciples out onto the lake that day, then they would not have learnt of his incredible power, that he could even still the waves and the the winds. They would not have learnt the lesson that they could trust him when all else had failed. And when everything else seemed to be falling apart, Jesus was there. And when they were in danger of drowning and there was no other hope, he was there to rescue them. And so we begin to see that far from not caring about them, Jesus cared deeply about them. He wanted to teach them a wonderful lesson about themselves and about himself. What happened? Why did it happen? I want to think finally about the lessons that we can learn from this story. Because really, the lessons that Jesus wanted to teach those disciples way back then, in that boat, are the same ones he wants to teach you and me today. God's aim is that we mature and we become more like Christ. And trials can help us to do that. Now, they may not seem pleasant. In fact, you'd be rather odd if you thought these things were were fun and and pleasant and enjoyable. This wasn't fun for the disciples, yet a great good came out of it. How strange but true that the same can happen in our lives. 
And we can so often react like the disciples did. We can react with fear and panic and doubt. Remember, these were men who had lived with Jesus by this time for quite a while. They'd, They'd been everywhere with him. They'd seen everything he'd done. They'd lived closely with him. They knew him well. They saw what he could do and what he had done and miracles that he'd performed. And yet even still, he was there with them in the boat, and even still they panicked. Testing times can also reveal to us how far we still have to go in our Christian lives. Many of us may still be able to remember tests or exams at school, which left us with the awful knowledge of just how much we still had to, to learn I thought I knew it all till I went in and saw the exam paper and then I realized I I didn't know half what I I thought I knew. Or if, if if I really knew half of what I thought I knew, I'd still know twice what I did or something like that anyway. And maybe that experience has, has happened to you. Such experiences may sometimes discourage us and you come out of that exam really flat. We can look at the storms rather than look at the saviour. We can feel small and helpless and tempted to lose hope. Doubts and fears can bombard us from all directions and make us worry that we're losing our faith. And just like those disciples, we are fallible human beings. We react to trouble with fear and panic. The wonderful thing here is how Jesus reacted to them. Did you notice the the graciousness of it? Oh yes, he asks them, where is your faith? But it doesn't come across uh, in my reading of it as a harsh or judgmental, you know, where's your faith? Cross. It doesn't come across like that. I I imagine Jesus asking him with a, a gentle, reassuring smile on his face. Where is your faith? And so we can be discouraged. Jesus was gracious to them. And he's gracious to you and me. He saved them and brought them out through the other side of the trouble and danger. With their faith strengthened and deepened. What storm might you be facing in your life today? Do you feel small and terrified in the face of something you can't predict or control? Something that threatens to swamp you, engulf you, bring you down? Maybe you have been faithfully following Jesus. And yet still you find something like this in your life. Remember these disciples were being faithful too. And still they face this scary situation. But remember, Jesus is with you. He does not want you to drown or be swamped or perish. Keep calling out to him. He will bring you out through to the other side. In the words of one of our traditional hymns in Heavenly Love Abiding... The storm may roar without me. My heart may low be laid. But God is round about me. 
And can I be dismayed? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reassuring story of Jesus in the boat with his disciples. Thank you for your, your power over the elements. And reassure us that whatever storms we may face, you are in the boat with us. And help us to rely on you and look at you rather than focus on the storm. And this we ask in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen.